morning. How are y'all doing? So I got to ask, um, did it flood here the other day? Or just in Moorhaven? Um, just in Okeechobee? <laughs> um, it, it, it rained so bad that um, our, our yard was gone. Um, I had an island in my front yard, actually. So all, all I was thinking of is if I was a kid again, but I would have loved that. I would have I swam in that and played in that. But now that I have kids, um, I'm neurotic, and I think of ringworms. I'm like, nope. <laughs> but kids, you don't think about that. I want to pray before we open up the Word this morning. Father, I love you. I thank you so much. I thank you so much for your Word. Lord, I just pray that we hear from you, that your Holy Spirit will speak. Lord, that we hear directly from you, Lord, and that the words I say, Lord, be what you want me to say, Lord, and not of myself. I ask that you open up our hearts. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. And we do ask and pray, Lord, that you'll come quickly. Come quickly, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so one thing, uh, th- this morning we're going to be talking about the, uh, one of my other, so last week I talked about one of my favorite stories in, in the Old Testament was Joshua, when they, you know, when they crossed the Jordan. This week is my, um, another uh, Old Testament story that I absolutely love, it's the story of Elijah. Um, now a, a few years ago we did this series in, in our youth group where we, we call it, it was, uh, it was around Halloween, so, um. Uh, I guess to be trendy, because we're the youth group or whatever, we did a series called Odd Tales. Um, and uh, the series Odd Tales looked at, you know, some odd stories that you find in Scripture. I don't know if you've read the Old Testament, you, pro- you find some pretty bizarre things that happen. Like, for, one, for example, um, I can't remember if it's, I'm drawing a blank on if it was Elijah or Elisha. He, he, he has to lay, on, he lays prostrate on top of the child. And then he comes back to life. I, I was thinking to myself, why do you have to lay on him? Why can't you just, I don't know. Maybe that's one question we ask the Lord when we get to heaven one day. But there's just some odd, uh, odd tales in Scripture. And um, our students ate up. They were, they were like, this is, in, this is, I didn't know that was in the Bible. So one thing that we did is because it sparked an interest. Because um, a lot of our students love odd stories. So one of those odd stories is going to be in First Kings 18. That's uh, where we're going to be at. Um, we're going to begin in verse 17, and we're also going to um, go into a little bit of chapter 19 as well. But before I get into that, um, one, I, I will say one thing that the Lord put on my heart to share today is this, um, is really a call to action. It's this idea of the, the Lord is calling us um, as, as followers of Jesus to a deeper level of intimacy and holiness. Um, I think for too long, many times um, as believers, um, I, I know this is, I can speak of myself in this regard, um, we get caught up in, in the world and what the world wants and it's different things like that. And I think a lot of times um, churches across, across the land um, need to get back to their first love, which is Jesus. And part of that is walking in a deeper intimacy and holiness, and that, uh, what, I, what I mean by intimacy is that that closeness with the Holy Spirit, that that union that where you're, where you literally you can say that I'm I'm walking with Jesus, like you're so close to Him that you're, you're living a life of 
unhindered fellowship with the Father. Uh, that, and that goes beyond just a Sunday morning church service. It's a relationship. It's almost like a marriage relationship where even outside of the church building, we're in communion with God. We're hearing Him. It's an intimate, deep relationship. And the holiness aspect is um, one of the things, like I talked about last week, this idea of consecrating ourselves, you know, that we're willing to give up anything and everything to follow Jesus. Um, if we need to carve it out of our life, it needs to go. Because at the end of the day, what's more important? It should be our relationship with Jesus. Um, and I think uh, yesterday, I don't know if you heard about it, Franklin Graham um, did a prayer march in D.C., um, at one, I love D.C., and I love the Graham family, so I was like, man, I wish I was there. But on top of that, there's something else that happened in D.C. yesterday um, alongside the prayer march. I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named uh, Jonathan Kahn. Um, he also had a thing, an event called The Return at the, uh, was it the Washington Monument? I think that's where it was, or the, that area. Um, I watched a lot of it, and um, we, we actually had some friends from Okeechobee, a pastor, that was that was actually there, um, but it was it was incredible. The parts that I did see that this this call as a nation to repentance. Um, you know, we're at an interesting time in history with with the election coming up, with the the chaos of you know COVID and you know the unrest in our country. Um, it was it was Lord's timing, really. But it was absolutely an incredible call to repentance and. That kind of um, sparked this idea in my, in my heart that, you know, we need, we need to be at a deeper level of intimacy and holiness and walking in, in repentance. So if, if, we're, if we're walking in repentance, then this level of um, holiness is going to grow deeper and our intimacy with the Lord is going to grow deeper because there's no, there's no barriers. And so I think for too long, so many believers across um, America and maybe the world have compromised their faith. And that's why... I, I love what they did in D.C. yesterday. There was literally hundreds of thousands of Christians storming the streets of our capital. Uh, that, that, that's amazing. Um, and, but what was sad, though, I'll tell you this, what was sad was most mainstream media outlets didn't cover it. ABC, MSNBC, NBC. What was that? <laughs> They're lost indeed. Uh, it's just, it, it was sad, but what was also encouraging, despite the media not covering it, thank, thank the Lord for YouTube and Facebook, um, which that's where I get all my news anyways, apparently. Um, uh, but you have to be careful, there's, you know, there's a lot of fake news on Facebook. But um, what was interesting was, or not interesting, but uh, really encouraging was the fact that our vice president was there on behalf of the president. Uh, to me, that said a lot about... Um, you know, his, his care for believers and, you know, our rights. and so. Anyways, I'm not trying to get political. I say all that to say it was an incredible day yesterday for the church, um, for believers. So we need to get to this idea of getting closer to the Lord, deepen our walk, um, our intimacy, and walking in holiness. And um, part of that is obviously having faith in Jesus. Uh, but there's uh, something else that coincides with that. It's obedience. Of you, and and Really, you cannot have faith in Jesus without, without obedience, and you can't really obey Jesus if you don't have faith in Jesus. It's almost two sides of the same coin. You need, you need faith and you need obedience to honor him, to walk in intimacy with him, to walk in holiness with him, um, and, and to grow deeper in, in a relationship with him. You need to believe that he is God 
but we also need to obey him. And sometimes I think we don't want to obey in the hard things. You know, the easy things we'll, we'll do, but uh, this, this, this call to holiness might be uncomfortable sometimes. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. It's worth it. So our story picks up um, in 1 Kings 18, beginning in verse 17. It says, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? Now, Ahab was the king of uh, Israel. Now, you have to understand, when I say Israel, it's not the entire nation. Uh, you know, there, there's that period of history where Israel is split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom was Israel, and the southern kingdom was Judah. Okay, so they had two kings. It's, it's quite ironic when you, you know, when you think about when the people of Israel came out of, out of Egypt, they're like, we want a king. We want, we want to be like other nations. So the Lord's like, okay, because up until that point, God was basically operating as king of Israel, so to speak. But they demanded an earthly king, so God granted them, gave them King Saul. And eventually, um, because of their humanity, um, the, the, the kingdom was literally divided. Um, it was, it's, just, it's just a while. It's, if you ever look at a timeline of Israel's history, it's, it's crazy how, how it goes. So Ahab is the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. He, um, so he says to uh, Elijah, is it you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have in your father's house because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Ahab was a wicked king, but he also had a wicked wife. Um, her name was Jezebel. You ever heard people say, well, she, that person's the spirit of Jezebel? It's his wife. That's where they get it from, Okay. Um, so basically Ahab is blaming Elijah, and Elijah is saying, no, 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 you have caused trouble for Israel. Um, you have forsaken the, the commandments of the Lord and followed after these false idols, these false gods, and God's not going to honor that. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets, uh, prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to the people, and he said, How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Uh, so the first point I have today comes from verse 21, where he says, uh, Elijah says to them, How long will you go about limping um, with two different opinions, or going back and forth, back and forth. Um, the first point for this morning is stop going back and forth. It's very simple. Um, um, stop going back and forth. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Um, many in the church are on the fence when it comes to fully committing their lives to Jesus. This this idea of fully walking in that intimacy, in that holiness that the Lord requires or uh, you know demands of us. He he doesn't want this surface level. Um, complacent Christianity. You know, Jesus calls us to a life of obedience, a life of intimacy, a life of holiness, which in return means that we're going to follow him at all costs, regardless of what the world says. And it's not going to always be easy. It's not always, there's going to be moments of hardship. There's going to be moments of suffering. There's go, and there might be tragedy, but that doesn't mean that God is not good, that God is not sovereign. Because God is God. He created everything. He's, he's sovereign. He's still on the throne. But he does promise to walk with us through those tragedies, through that suffering. So there's a difference when you see someone that is following the Lord 
that has an intimate, deep, uh, uh, um, a deep well, so to speak, with the Lord that is growing with them, and then tragedy hits, and, and life gets hard, and you see how they respond, and how they're walking, and how they can still have hope, even in the midst of um, a, a year like 2020, for example. It's because they have a deep well, a deep walk with the Lord. It's not this surface level Christianity where, you know, they come, they put on a smile and they come to church and everything's okay, you know, but they go home and it's, it's, and it's horrible. No, they have this hope deep inside of them. It's because they, they have the faith in Jesus and that they also walk in the obedience of Jesus. God honors that. He blesses that. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians are like, where are you, God? Why aren't you blessing me? Why aren't you doing something in my life? And a lot of it is because we're not walking in obedience. And so, Today, I implore you to stop going back between two different opinions in the sense of going back to uh, complacent Christianity or this idea, if, if you're here or if you're watching online, going, going back and forth, okay, is God real? Do I believe in Jesus? Stop going back and forth. And I implore you today to believe in Jesus because he is the only one that can change your life. So Elijah's telling them, how long will you go back and forth? Israel is notorious for going to these idols and idolatry, but then at the same time they repent and they come back to God. They went back and forth so many different times. But one uh, thread that was really interesting that runs through Scripture in Israel's history is actually two things, of man's unfaithfulness, but right along that was God's faithfulness. Despite how they lived, all the mistakes that they made, God was faithful. I mean, think about this for a second. God made a covenant with Abraham. He made, a, um, he made a covenant with Noah. He made a covenant with, Mo- with Moses. He made a covenant with David. He, he made a covenant, with, let's look at the one for David for a moment. You know, he, he promised his throne would go on forever, so to speak. What did David do? He, um, you know, when kings were out at war, the Bible says, he was, on his, he was at home on top of it, at his palace, roaming around. When all the other kings were at war, he was there and he saw Bathsheba. And, you know, the story goes, he committed adultery with her um, and eventually tried to cover it up, bring her husband home so he would go home and be with his wife so that he would think that he got her pregnant. But in reality, he was just trying to cover it up. And eventually he sent a letter to Uriah to go back to war. And ba- basically, de- Uriah delivered his own death sentence. And then Uriah died in battle. So, so da- King David committed adultery and then had her husband killed. But he's the, a man after God's own heart. Also, Jesus comes from the lineage of King David. I don't know if you know this. Uh, Jesus' uh, genealogy has, uh, involves King David, who committed adultery. Um, it involves prostitutes. It involves all kinds of uh, people that did all kinds of horrible things. But what you see, though, is this idea. Um, his genealogy also includes non-Hebrew people. Uh, Ruth, for example, was a Moabite woman. She wasn't even uh, um, a descendant, so to speak. Um, I think Rahab or whatever in Joshua chapter 2. Uh, so you see in Jesus' genealogy this idea of God accepting humanity, not just the Hebrew people. Yes, people, the Israelites were his chosen people, but that wasn't the end game. It was for all humanity. But also through the line of his genealogy, you see the flaws of humanity, but you also see God's faithfulness to keep his promises and his covenant. Even though man broke their end of the deal, God was faithful and kept his end of the deal. And so 
you see that all throughout Israel. And at this point in this story, Israel is a divided kingdom. Ahab's a wicked king, but Elijah is a prophet of God. And he's, and he's telling them, how long will you go back and forth with these opinions? If, if the Lord is God, follow him. If the Baal is, then follow him. It's almost like him saying to us today, if, if, God is, if Jesus is God, follow him. But if, uh, let's think of an American Idol, um, entertainment. If entertainment is God, then go enjoy entertainment. So basically, they're about to have a showdown between uh, the prophets of Baal and God. Now, I don't know about you. Have you ever read any story in the Bible and think, man, I really wish I could have seen this play out. So maybe one day when we get to heaven, we can like, Lord, can you take me back? I want to see how this happened. I, I, I want to see what happened when you did this or, you know, like or, or beginning of creation. But this is one story I really want to see if the Lord will, you know, let us see it. Um, I would love to see the showdown between the prophets of Baal and God. Um, so the story goes on. So he employs them, if, God, if the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. He goes on to say, Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. You'll notice that uh, Elijah make that, makes that statement several times. Almost, <clears throat> excuse me, almost this, um, this woe is me, I'm the only one left kind of mentality. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put, and put no fire to it. And you call the name of the Lord, or I'm sorry, you call on the name of your God. No, it's a lowercase g, okay? This is not God. This is their false God. He's saying, if you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord, capital L. And the God, capital G, who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. So they agree. So he's basically saying, we're going to have a showdown. And the the God that consumes this with fire, that one is God. And that's the one we're going to follow. Okay, so um, that's a very bold statement to make. But Elijah said it. So um, the showdown is about to happen. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call in the name of your God, lowercase g, but put no fire to it. And, and they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. Okay, from morning to noon. Uh, I mean, who knows how early that is, but it's, it's several hours at minimum, right? A long time, but listen to this. It says, but there was no voice. And no one answered. And they limped about the altar which they had made. Now, now it's not saying that they went like this, like limping. That's not, it, was, it was actually some type of ceremonial dance. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to reenact it because, one, I can't dance. And two, I don't know what kind of dance it was. But all I know, it was a ceremonial type dance that they did. Okay? So they were, they were calling onto the prophet of Baal from morning till noon, and there was no answer. At this point, I'd say... I'd be pretty discouraged. Where are you at? But no answer. So they, they did the ceremonial dance. Nothing. And, um, and at noon, get this. Elijah's standing there and listen to what he does. He says, or he goes, he mocked them. He made fun of them. And he, he cry aloud. He says, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he is musing. Other translations, I think, say he is relieving himself. Other words, going to the restroom. So that's why he's not answering them, apparently. Or he has gone aside, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep. You know, one thing about our God, he doesn't sleep. So therefore, he's always awake. 
so therefore he can always hear you. Apparently Baal likes to go to the bathroom a lot and sleep a lot. It must, be he, uh, it must be awakened, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and laces until the blood gushed out upon them. Um, I don't think I want to be a part of that religion. No. So uh, the second point is uh, I have for you from uh, verse 26 right there is no idol will give you what you need. Only Jesus can do that. No idol will give you what you need. Only Jesus can do that. So verse 26 again, it's when they, they call out, but there's no answer. You see, that's what idols do. They, they can never supplement or bridge the gap of only what Jesus can do. Only Jesus can fill that void that you have, that long and that deep desire that every human, every human being has within them. It's, it's, the, it's that deep desire that God created in each of us for a, a deep, intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. And a lot of times, people try to fill that void with idols or other things in the world, but in reality, it's idols. For example, um, in our country, um, you know, we don't have these statues of these false gods, so to speak, like they had in the ancient world, but we have idols all over our country. A lot of them were shut down during COVID, which I, I've, I've mentioned before, you know, music, entertainment, sports, even, even um, relationships that we have, marriages, your spouse, can, can become idols to, to the point where they are, you, and you might not intentionally do this, but you put that, that idol above on the throne, which only belongs to Jesus, and, and you only answer that, and you only worship that, and Jesus is put on the back burner. A lot of times it might happen unintentionally, but idols will never respond and give that fulfillment, that, that answer in that deep longing that only Jesus can answer. Because deep down, we were designed for community, and we were designed for an intimate relationship with our creator you know that's one one thing that might makes christianity so unique is this idea that the bible speaks of a god going down and reaching out to humanity versus humanity trying to reach up to a god he chose to come and dwell among us i mean think about this jesus you know he uh um enjoying the splendor and the glory of heaven chose at the right time in history, the opportunity, the opportune time, the, the time that God ordained for him to leave heaven, okay, and be born, not in a palace, not in some massive kingdom, not as a prince, so to speak, in the, in the world's eyes, but in a manger. He didn't even, wasn't even born in a hotel, so to speak. It was in a manger in this trough, and he lived as a carpenter, a pretty average life for, for that time. And at about the age 30, entered his ministry and decided his way of, you know, um, proclaiming the kingdom of God was to choose a bunch of fishermen and then go around teach and, and, and go around and heal people and talk with people and, and then eventually end up being crucified, which was one of the, uh, the Romans' most horrible way to die for a group of people that fled the night he was arrested. The people that, his disciples that were with him for three years or so to speak, all fled. They just ran away. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but if you read the Gospel of Mark, one of them ran away so fast his robe flew off. That's just a little side humor, but it's true. It's in your Bible. Could you not? It's actually, um, 
the Gospel of Mark writes it because um, I th- we, a lot of scholars believe it was actually Mark, but he doesn't say it was him, but it was Mark's the one that ran away naked. Uh, but anyways, all these, all these disciples, they fled when, they're, when Jesus was arrested and he still died and, on the, and went to the cross for that group of people, for you and I. That's who our God is. He chose to come. He chose to love us. Even when they were nailing him to that cross, he loved them anyways. Even before you were born, knowing the sins that you and I would commit, even before we gave our life to Christ, he knew. So again, no other idol will, will give you or satisfy you like Jesus. Only Jesus. That's why earlier I, I, I say, um, I implore you, if you don't know Jesus, come to Jesus. If you, if you do know Jesus, fully commit to him. Don't, don't be you know, swaying left and right on, on this complacent Christianity. Go all in and God will honor that. You'll, 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 um, you won't regret it, basically. So as our story continues, um, verse 29, as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation or the evening offering, and there was no voice, no, ans- no one answered, and no one heeded. So again, up until the evening now, Baal wasn't answering them, which we all know why Baal wasn't answering, because Baal doesn't exist. He's a false god. He's not real. He's made up. Um, and then Elijah uh, said to all the people, come near to me. And the people came near to him and they, re- and they uh, repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Now we're about to get to the point where um, Elijah is going to call the Lord. So they set up the altar. They filled these trenches with water, with about three gallons of water. And jumping down to verse 36, it says, and at that time of the offering of the oblation, the evening offering, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Now that's, uh, remember, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, if you're wondering. Uh, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, <clears throat> and that I have done all these things at thy word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that thou, O Lord, art God, and that thou hast turned their hearts back. Then the fire, no, this is the cool part, this is where the show now really gets, really gets interesting. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Think about it. At this moment, this is when the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. So at this moment, this point, um, God came down, he sent his fire down, consumed the altar, and that was the defining thing that they said, Whoever, whatever God is the one that will send fire down, that one is God, and the Lord did it. Because obviously we know he is, he is God. And it says, And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not, let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and killed them there. So he killed the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. Because the Lord showed himself that he is God. He set the fire down. So this is the moment where the Lord defeats the 400 some prophets of Baal. And that he sends fire down and consumes the altar the Lord, here's the thing, the Lord will not tolerate idols. He will not tolerate our idolatry. You know, a lot of people think, they go, they'll go years and years and thinking, well, I haven't seen any punishment. You know, they'll, they'll live 20, 30 years and, and, and think in their minds that, okay, that, you know, maybe I got away with it or oh, God's not, uh, God's not going to deal with it. God will deal with your idolatry. He will deal with humanity's sin. And here's the thing. People might think, well, they lived their whole life and you know, then they died and what, what happened? No. If they died without knowing Jesus, he's going to deal with them. 
God is just. He is a judge. And he is a righteous judge. And he will judge every single one of us according to everything we've ever done, said, written, posted online. He, will, he, will, he, will, he sees it all, knows it all. And so not one person will be able to stand before him and not be judged. God will judge according to um, all that we've done. So anyone that might, we might think, oh, they escaped or whatever. No, they will stand before him. For example, let's take Adolf Hitler, for example. You know, um, the story goes is that he committed suicide before, I think it was the Russians or whoever came and took over Berlin. A lot of people think, might think, well, he, um, you know, we didn't get justice. We, he, he took his own life. No, God, he, he stood before the Lord at that point. And if he didn't know Jesus, I wouldn't want to be that. Now, I will say this. Even a person like him came to Jesus, truly came to Jesus. Do you think the Lord would have let him into heaven? Yep. As hard as that is to say, God is good, um, and he's just, but we're all sinners, and he will deal with our idolatry. I want to read you something from, um, from 1 John in terms of um, idolatry. I love, this, I love this little saying because it's like tucked at the very end of the book, and it's almost like John is telling him all these different things and, in chapter 5, and then all of a sudden there's this one last phrase, and the book ends. Uh, so verse 20 says of chapter 5 of 1 John, it says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding to know him who is true. Jesus is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. So basically saying Jesus is God, he's the true God, he's the only way. And this is the phrase that uh, John ends the, 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 the little book or the epistle with. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. The end. Very abrupt, very straightforward. Um, so at this point, even, even um, in the New Testament era, even in our modern day era, idolatry was an issue in the Old Testament, idolatry was an issue in the New Testament, and idolatry is an issue in modern day history. And he's saying to us, Guard yourselves from idols. Guard yourself. If you look at the history of Israel all throughout the Bible, idolatry brought so much destruction, so much suffering. And God is saying, protect yourself from idols. And, and honestly, uh, the story with you know, the fire coming down, destroying the altar, and then taking out the prophets of Baal, it, it shows that God will deal with idolatry. He will deal with these false idols. He will take them down. And I think the Lord allowed COVID to happen, and I think the Lord allowed these idols in America to be taken down for a season to show, you know, he's God. Nothing is going to trump God or defeat God because God is God. He is good. Jesus is the only true God. And here's another thing. The, the same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. He's the same. He is, and he is just and he is judged. He's loving, but he's also a God of wrath. So he will deal with our idols. Just like if we think in our minds that, you know, he's not going to deal with my idolatry, think about this. He dealt with the idolatry of his chosen people in the Old Testament. And some of it was pretty severe. So he will. He will deal with it. So as our story continues, and we're going to jump down to uh, verse 45. So earlier I said um, we did this, this series at our youth group um, called Odd Tales. And this part of the story is where the odd tale came in. Um, so a little backstory. Um, are any of you um, 
superhero fans in the sense of like Marvel or DC, anything like that? Anyone else? I, I'm a diehard Marvel fan. I love, I love the Marvel movies. And just FYI, 2020, I believe, is the only year a Marvel movie is not coming out since 2009. I know it's sad. Sad. Uh. What's that? <laughs> oh, it, very, it, can, it can very easily be an idol, um, superheroes. So I, I'm, I'm a superhero fan. I love, su- I love the, the, um, the movies and all that stuff. And um, one of my favorite superheroes, and not Marvel, is in DC, is uh, Flash. Um, if you don't know who Flash is, you know, he's, he's very fast. He, what was that? Barry yeah. He's, he can run anywhere fast, right? Now, I'll, I want to tell you this. Did you know that Elijah was the first Flash? You might be thinking, where are you going with this? Um, I'll, I'll show it to you. It's right here in the Scripture. All right, so verse 45. In a little while, the heavens grew black and the clouds with rain, um, and the clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. I want you to remember that. He, he rode and went to Jezreel. He left already. Rode is uh, past tense. Verse 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. The NLT words it, because I'm reading from the RSV. The NLT uh, words it, and the, um, the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. So when the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, the Lord gave him special strength. Okay, listen to this. Um, and he girded up his loins, or he tucked in his, uh, the long robe into his belt. Like, so he's like getting ready to go do something, so he had to tuck in his belt, because if not, he'd probably trip. Also, back then, it was, um, was kind of uncustom to run so to speak. So he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Think about this. Ahab had already left in a chariot with horses. And the, Lord, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, gave him special strength. He tucked in his belt and he ran. And he beat Ahab to Jezreel. There's, that's where they got the, the, the idea for the flash was Ahab, or uh, Elijah. So that's why I'm saying there's some, there's some crazy stories in the, in the Bible. If you read them, it's like, wow, this is, this is pretty wild. Uh, but that's how it was. Um, and, but I just, for a second, if I was Elijah, okay, I just, I was just spent the time with the Lord, and I called on the Lord, and he came down to destroy these prophets of Baal. And then he gave me special strength, or the, his hand was upon me to outrun a chariot. Picture, I don't know, picture that for a moment. Outrun a chariot, beat him to Jezreel. Do you think at that point you'd be pretty confident in the Lord? Like, he's God. Like, I, like I'm, yeah, but that's not what happens um, as our story unfolds. Um, Elijah uh, kind of um, allows fear to sink in. So before we go on to that part, um, the next point is only God can do the impossible. Only God can do the impossible. Like, for example, making Elijah outrun a chariot. Only God can do the impossible in our lives. Um, maybe deliver you from depression, deliver you from anxiety, or heal you, or heal a loved one, or, it, or even the miracle of our own salvation. That, that in and of itself is a, truly a miraculous miracle. The fact that he would redeem us despite all of our wanderings and sinfulness, and that he would love us yet still to come. Come, I love you, and come. The fact that he still do that is amazing. So as, uh, chapter 19 unfolds, it says, Ahab took Jezebel, <clears throat> all that, or told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. So he told her, you know, how he defeated the prophets of Baal and um, how he had slain all the prophets. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, okay? Now Jezebel was a wicked woman. 
Um, so, so may the gods, lowercase d, uh, G, uh, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Basically, she's threatening to kill Elijah. Now, at this point, you'd probably think Elijah like, bring it. The Lord, is, he is God. Um, I'm the flash, so to speak. I, I ain't scared, but that's not what happens. It's not what happens. It says, then he was afraid. Right, right, right there. It says, then he was afraid. You know, one of the, uh, the most common commands that's repeated throughout Scripture is do not be afraid or fear not. Because fear plagues so many, and it plagues so many today, and it even plagued a great prophet such as Elijah. I mean, this man walked with God. He was very close with him. But it shows, even in his humanity, that fear crept in sometimes. It says, then he was afraid and arose and went, and went for his life. He ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which um, belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. And as the story unfolds, he's in this cave, and eventually he comes out, down in verse 11, it says, and, he, and, um, and the Lord's asking him, like, why are you here? And he, and he steps out, and it says, and the Lord says, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind went through the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. So it broke the rocks. That's probably some pretty strong wind. We saw that in Okeechobee the other day. And after the Lord, or after the wind, an earthquake. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake. I haven't, but um, probably pretty terrifying. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Here's the, here's the last point. We must learn to, to listen beyond the noises and distractions for the Lord's still, small voice. His voice wasn't in the loud earthquake, the fire, the, 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 um, the crazy wind. It wasn't all those loud um, things. That a lot of times we um, expect to hear God's voice and all, the, and all the noises and distractions that we have in our life. But a lot of times um, he speaks in a whisper. A still small voice. There's a book I would encourage you to read um, by uh, one of my favorite authors, Mark Batterson. It's called Whisper. It's all about um, hearing God's voice. The Circle Maker, which he also wrote, was about praying. Whisper was about listening. And it's this idea of uh, removing these things and listening, learning to discern that still small voice and recognize that who God's voice is, what it sounds like, and listening. Because a lot of times, when Elijah, when, when Jezebel you know, sent this message to, that, that, to threaten him, to kill him, he, it says he was afraid, he ran away. And so he allowed his fear to drown out God's voice, so to speak, or even the, the reality of who God was in his life. And a lot of times, I think that happens with us, we allow fear. For example, uh, for so many, um, COVID, the fear of COVID play, has plagued so many in the church. Now, I'm not saying it's not a real threat. I'm not saying that at all, because it is. It is. But we can't allow fear. We cannot allow fear to keep us from following Jesus, to doing what God has called us to do. We can't allow fear to do that. And we can't allow distractions and noises in our culture and our world to drown out hearing the voice of the Lord. And for Elijah, it was fear. Fear was so loud that he couldn't hear. Even after God had just done, uh, just defeated the prophets of Baal, the fact that God had just allowed him to outrun a chariot, so to speak, 
Even then, he was plagued with fear. And he missed the still small voice. How many times have we missed God's voice because we're so distracted by everything going on in our world, so distracted by what we want, our desires, or what, you know, what everyone else says, or what, uh, what, what church should look like, anything like that. And we, we get so distracted that we miss his voice. We must learn to listen beyond the noises and distractions for the Lord's still small voice. And part of that is going back to what I said at the beginning, uh, this idea of going back to an intimate walk with the Lord, a walk that is so deep in holiness with Him. It's at that point where we're going to hear that still small voice on a regular basis and know that He is God. We're going to, he's going to remind us constantly, constantly where He's going to show you, I'm God, I've got this. You might be going through a, um, a situation in your life right now that might, you might not uh, see the outcome, or how, how, Lord, how are we going to pull through this? I know for some, for example, COVID has plagued so many financially, maybe you're broken, like, Lord, what are you going to do? Trust Jesus. One, he knew this year would happen. He knows our situation. He knows our circumstances. He is God. We have to war- learn to walk in that that deep walk with him. That, and, and part of that deep, intimate walk and that, and that, and that um, um, holiness and that deep well walking with him is this idea that you're going to have this trust that no matter what the world throws at you, even if it seems impossible or doesn't make sense, you're going to trust him. Imagine Peter, for example, Jesus walking on the water, and Peter's like, you know, if that's you, call me out there. The trust that it would take in to step out of a boat in the storm on a lake that's the kind of trust we need to have. Eyes locked, focused on him, stepping out of the boat, knowing he's the Lord, even if the storm is raging around you, listening for that still small voice and, and following it wherever he goes. That's, um, so the, the bottom line, um, if you don't hear anything today, is not that the fact that Elijah's the flash. That's not the main point. It's this idea of we need to, we need to be called back to a deep, intimate walk with the Lord, one that requires holiness. And in that walk is where you hear that still small voice. And that still small voice can change any circumstance in your life in a moment's notice. In a moment's notice. So my challenge for you this week, as you go about your week, is to, um, to ask the Lord to show you anything in your life that might be that distraction. Maybe for you it is fear. Maybe for you it is depression or anxiety or you know, anxious thoughts or uh, anger. Whatever it might be, ask the Lord to reveal that to you. For Elijah, it was fear, for example. Ask him to show you those things and ask him to help you learn to discern and hear that still, small voice that is the Lord's. And I want to encourage you to write it down in a journal. Um, even if you're not a big writer or you think you know, keeping a journal, oh, that's not, the, that's not a manly thing to do. No, I want to encourage you to do it because here's why. Write down whatever you think the Lord is telling you because if it doesn't, because a lot of times he'll speak to you that way, okay? And now if it contradicts scripture, obviously it's not the Lord. Because he, he'll never contradict his word. Let me just say that. He will never contradict his word in telling you something, to do something or whatever, or truth. It will always be aligned with scripture, so to speak. So this week, spend some time with him. Ask him, Lord, what, what, what noises or distractions do I have in my life that are keeping me from truly hearing your voice and walking in a deep, intimate walk with you? And then listen. And sometimes that might just be sitting in silence.
to learn to discern and hear his voice. I promise you, I promise you, um, you won't regret. You won't regret it. So Lord, I love you. I thank you so much, God, for who you are. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, you are God, that you are on the throne, that you are Jesus. Lord, I, Lord I'm thankful that you defeated the prophets of Baal. I'm thankful, Lord, that, you, um, that you're still active in our lives. Lord, I'm just so thankful for the fact that you love us, even despite the sins that we've committed, Lord, that you still called us, that you still love us, that you still want us to come to you. Lord, I pray as we go about this week, Lord, that you'll reveal these, any distractions and noises that, we, that, that are in our life that are hindering and blocking from um, us hearing your voice. And Lord, I pray that your voice, that still small voice, will become the loudest voice in our lives, Lord. And um, Lord, call us back to intimacy, Lord. Call us back to a deep holiness and walk with you, Lord. Lord, draw us to repentance. Draw us to our knees, Lord. Draw us to our knees, Lord, to, and to repentance, Lord, to uh, get back to our first love. I love you, Jesus, and I thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.